Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting, as usual, from inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. And if you're looking for a bank that's big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them, but small enough to deliver their service in a personal way, I've got an answer for you. It's Renaissance Bank. And I know that from my own experience with them. I'm working with them right now on a situation for one of my clients. And their responsiveness and personal service is fantastic. So go to renaissancebank.com and find one of their local offices and give them a call. And I think you'll be on the road to a better banking experience for your business. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome a good friend, Darlene Drew. Darlene is the CEO of Leadership Conditioning, Personal and Professional Development. Darlene, it's a pleasure having you in the studio. Well, good morning, John. It is all my pleasure. I am delighted and excited to yeah. be here with you. Well, thank you. It's this is uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Um, hey, uh, we were talking about before we came on there. You were on during the pandemic, um, but we didn't get to be in person. So here we are in person. So yeah. this is fantastic. Let's give everyone an introduction to you and your work. How are you serving folks out there? Well, thank you for that. And the way that I serve people, particularly with a focus on leaders, uh, we all know leaders and the busyness and the competing uh, commitments that leaders have. And as a result of that, oftentimes there's not enough time in the 24 hours that we all get to do something that leaders desire, which is developing their teams. And what I do is help those busy, caring leaders, develop emerging leaders so that when that leader is away, when that leader moves on to do something else, that they've already developed leaders who are ready and equipped to stand in position and make those critical decisions to make their organizations continue to grow. I I like the way you frame that because I think sometimes we, um, because as human beings and all human beings are like this, sometimes we look on the bad side of things, right? And we, we see leaders that are not developing their people. We don't, we don't attach that problem to the issue of busyness and just that day being too crowded, right? We attach it to, oh, they're not doing enough what they ought to be doing, right? I, I like the way you frame that. Yeah, thank you for that. Because I, having been in leadership for so long mm-hmm. and having been busy, for so long, uh, and seeing the, the frustration oftentimes that my peers would have desiring to do it, but there's just not the time, um, but still wanting it to take place. And so that's why I know that it's not necessarily, well, I don't care about my team. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's more of, I wish, but I just haven't figured out how to do it myself. And that's really where I come in and say, you know what? I can save you from trying to figure it out how to do it yourself. And trust me, tell me what those areas are where you're looking for developing, you know, your team members, and I can help you do that. So you talked about your background. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's get into that. Uh, You've got a fascinating background that really lends itself to uh, uh, leadership development today. Yes. 
Yeah, my background. Shall I say what that background is? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm setting you up, Darlie. Bring it on. <laughs> so my background is is unique. Most people are not familiar with people who have spent most of their, their lives working in prison systems. Uh, and so that's what I did. And I served uh, for 32 and a half years working in the federal prison system. Started out as a young correctional officer, wasn't mm-hmm. quite sure uh, that I was going to stay uh, in that capacity, mm-hmm. but I did. And I believe that there are some things that we have one idea in our young selves. I thought I was going to be a lawyer mm-hmm. um, and something changed for me inside of those walls and seeing the different things that was happening with people. And so I grew through that process from an entry-level correction officer position to serving uh, um, a a variety of different positions, but ultimately associate warden and then warden, three different assignments uh, as a warden. And, uh, And when I tell you as a warden and as a leader in that type of environment where uh, it is demanding all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't know a, an easy day working in a federal prison anywhere, any, just a prison period. Right. Um, but what it does do is keep you focused on what are the most important things. Everybody has a bottom line. And when your bottom line is people's lives and public safety, uh, then you really have a laser focus that much more on what is what's necessary to do. And so that it's not exclusive to you because you have to have other people who are ready, prepared and equipped to step in. And that's really across all industries, right? You want to be able to go on vacation sometimes, don't you, John? You want to be able to do some things and trust that you've put people in position who can continue in your absence. And so for me, working in a prison system, a non-typical environment, very demanding work, um, it grew me and it helped me understand the importance and the breadth and the depth of good leadership. I can see how that's an environment where the stressors of the the, the job, the objective, mm-hmm. that bottom line you talked about, um, can really get in the way of uh, people. That the task takes priority over the way in which you do it and and the humanity with which you bring to you your employees. Yeah, true. I mean, those types of priorities, you're talking safety, you're talking right. life or making uh, a decision that does quite the opposite. But the commonality that that environment has, that all environments have, is the bottom line is people. Mm -hmm. So for those who work in those kinds of settings, as I did, uh, we are thinking of it in sometimes a different way because you're, you're thinking safety all the time. You're thinking security all the time. But it ultimately boils down to just like any other organization, we're all in the people business. We're Mm -hmm. all in the people business. And whether it's the environment where I grew up, which is prison systems, uh, the bottom line is people want to know, do I matter? Is there any value that you see in me as a person Mm. Uh, coupled with all the many important things that you have to do to keep places safe and secure? Those people, staff and offenders want to know, do you care about me? Will you help me? And that's the same thing in any other industry that people want to know as well. You were talking, uh, Darlene, before we came on the air about a story just about this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, with an inmate, which uh, you handled that in an unconventional way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, talk about that story and and how you 
helped somebody matter and the impact that had. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, this is probably one of my favorite stories. There are countless stories of having worked in the prison system, but this one pertained to a young person. He was the youngest offender in our facility at the time. And I say this often when I share this story, oftentimes the way a person is outside of prison, you know, this bravado and, you know, all of this stuff that people um, utilize to do the things that they're doing out in the streets. And then you come into the prison and this is real world for you. And so maybe you're not quite as tough as you've been projecting or, or, or maybe you are. But oftentimes in this case, this young guy, he was our youngest inmate in the facility. And he was regularly, when I say regularly, I mean every day, uh, almost every hour of the day, getting himself himself in trouble. It was like trouble had his name on it. He was pretty proud of it as well. Mm. You know, it was like in his mind, this is how I get some stature around here. This is how I demonstrate that I'm really, really tough. So one particular day I had seen that this uh, incident happen with him over and over again. But one day I saw him and I saw our, the the title that we referenced these staff members, our lieutenants uh, were in the process of squirting him to what we call solitary confinement. Now, solitary confinement, you don't go there because you're doing great stuff. Uh, it usually means that you have a history of getting yourself in trouble, that you're disruptive either to the facility, to others, and or yourself. So this particular day, as I saw them, I asked, started asking questions like, what is going on today? What was, what was my question to the lieutenants and to the inmate? And the lieutenant said, he's just his typical stuff, not going to class, not doing what he's told, not uh, taking care of his, his cell, et cetera, et cetera. And so we're getting ready to take him to solitary confinement. Mm. And I said, you know what? Not today. And they looked at me <laughs> like, what do you mean not today? Did you just hear all the things that we said that he did? I said, right. I heard you. But I want to do something different. Mm-hmm. And so the lieutenants are looking at me, the inmates, even the inmates looking at me like, different? What, what in the world? <laughs> and I said, I want you, and I'm talking to the inmate at this point, I said, I want you to write a paper. And he says, a paper? And I said, yes, an essay. I want you to write me an essay. And so the inmate says, what kind of warden? have inmates write essays. I mean, just let me go to solitary confinement. I mean, just let me go. And I said, no, I want, I want you to write an essay and I want you to tell me your story. Then he looks at me with this curious look, like, are you kidding? But just looking. Mm. And then he says, you want to know my story? I said, yes. He says, are you going to even read my paper? Mm -hmm. I said, yes. And then he said, well, guess what? I've never written a paper before. And I said, you haven't? I said, what, did you go to high school? And he says, yeah, I graduated from high school. And he said, but no one ever asked me to write a paper. Mm. Well, that was surprising to me that he had never written a paper and he graduated from high school. And I said, well, this is your lucky day because I'm, I'm requiring you to write this paper. So mm. it took him a minute for that to settle, settle into his head, as well as the lieutenants who were looking at me with their arms folded, like this ward, this is, we've never heard of such a thing. Mm. So ultimately everybody understood my direction that this is what we're going to do. So then the inmate says, are you going to put a grade on my paper? And I said, yes. So I gave him a deadline, just like a teacher would. Mm-hmm. You know, here's your deadline for the mm-hmm. paper. This is the, these are the number of pages that I want you to write. And I want it by this date. So I see him a week later. He's standing in the corridor and he's all what we call dressed up, mm. meaning that 
in in prison settings, when they are visitors or something special, inmates put on their best. You know, they've got their hair, all of these things done. Well, there was no visits that day. So what what is he all dressed up for? Well, he was dressed up because he was proud of his paper. He was waiting for me in the corridor with that paper in his little folder to say, hey, warden, here's my paper. And he submitted it before it was due. Mm. And um, so I took the folder and then he asked one more time, are you going to put a grade on it? And I said, absolutely, I am going to put a grade on it. How many times do I have to tell you that? So anyway, long story short, I take the paper, I read the paper, and it's an amazing story of this young man who was being raised by his parents. His parents made some choices in life that were not good for their lives or his. They both were drug addicts and they were no longer taking care of him. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, he was sent to live with grandma and granddad. And what he says in the paper is that his grandparents raised him and they gave him too much room, that they were older people. So he had all of this room and freedom to do all kinds of things. And he had too much of it. Mm. And so what he chose to do was commit crimes and sell drugs and those types of things, which landed him from a juvenile system to graduating him to the federal system, Mm. to placing him at the United States Penitentiary in Atlanta. And, um, And in that, as I read through his paper, you know, I'm reading it and saying, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. And I'm writing on it. And I grade that paper. And then I bring it back to him. And when I give it to him, the first thing he asks, is the grade on it? And I said, it is. Well, he got an A on that paper. Mm. And what he said to me in response to that was, you know, nobody has ever asked me my story. Mm. My whole life, no one's ever asked that story. And so what I say to that and to people is it doesn't matter who we are or where we are. Somebody still wants to know at the end of the day, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? Can I trust you? Mm. And leaders deal with that all the time. Your staff want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Do I matter? Right. And can I trust you to give me the care, the growth, the opportunities that I desire? Mm -hmm. And that's where leadership is so essential across all disciplines and across all industries. Folks, we're chatting here with Darlene Drew. Darlene is the CEO of Leadership Conditioning personal and professional development. So Darlene, I can, I can hear people think saying, well, you know, Hey, that's a, that's an inmate, um, a felon. Um, and given maybe the background, you didn't get into the whole background of this young man, but based on what you told me, I think this is an accurate statement. You know, you can kind of understand his journey, in terms of desiring that affirmation. Let's talk about employees in the workplace, right? Um, We don't necessarily think they need that same affirmation, right? But they do because, because we don't take the time to like figure out what's behind the curtain of where they're operating every day. Yes, absolutely. What I have seen with employees, it's the same thing. You know, people want to know, employees want to know, um, have you recognized what I'm doing? And, and not everyone wants recognition the same way. You know, mm-hmm. some people are personality types are the last thing they want is a parade mm-hmm. that makes it very uncomfortable for them. And that's why it's important for us as leaders to finding the time, a minute of our time, two minutes of our time 
to go to where our employees are and ask simple questions and mean it. So, you know, avoid asking how are you doing? And then someone starts telling you really how they're doing. And you're like, oh, my God, you know, I wasn't expecting all of that. But to really be intentional about asking questions and being interested enough to ask and to care and to be ready to hear what another person has to say. I think we can really change a person's day and their mindset by caring enough to ask them questions. One of my favorite questions, and I was asked this as a warden and I had a disturbance going on in my facility. Right. Mm -hmm. And so people may think, well, you're the warden, you know, things are always together. Well, regardless of what level of leadership we're in, there are some trying and, and challenging days that we have to have the wherewithal to work our way through and have the benefit of supportive people, whether it's people above us, whether we have other mentors. And I don't think we ever outgrow mentoring or coaching. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in that particular incident, I had 150 inmates at that time in a prison. I was in South Carolina at the time, and they decided they weren't leaving the rec yard. They just decided, you know, not today. We're going to do our own thing. And so we had to really put some things together, pull our staff together, call them in from home mm-hmm. to remind the the inmates who decided to be disruptive that we're going to run a, a, um, a calm facility. That's mm-hmm. our commitment to the public. And mm-hmm. so you can either follow our direction and do what we're asking you to do, or we can help you along. I mean, there are times when you have to help people right. along, but in right. this particular instance, uh, I had to report that up to the regional director on up to the to the director. And what the regional director said to me in that instance with, that started early Saturday morning and went into like six that evening. And we were competing with time to get those inmates off the off the yard. When he called me, he said, Warden Drew, I have one question for you. And I said, yes, sir. What is it? He said, what do you need from me? Oh, wow. And I, I, I love him to this day. Right. I liked him a lot before then, uh-huh. but I love him now uh-huh. because he could have taken a different position. He could have went through a list of things. Well, maybe you should have done this. Maybe you should have done that. Sometimes we do that mm-hmm. at different levels of leadership. But when you can just go to a person and ask, what can I do for you? What do you need from me? How can I help you? Mm-hmm. It changes everything. Right. And you know what? That's... <laughs> That's a, um, there's, there's time for the postmortem yes. later, right? I mean, but maybe sometimes we make the mistake as leaders of rushing the postmortem. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, I want to go back to your story about the young man you assigned the essay to and talk about how that fit in the, um, leadership structure that you were in mm-hmm. um because i can imagine you talked about the the eyes that were rolling <laughs> from your from your lieutenant uh and from the inmate uh himself but um for those leaders that maybe their methods are seen as uh unconventional right in this task oriented uh company or organization that they're in, uh, give them some encouragement and, and, and talk to them about uh, ha- how they should handle themselves in an organization like that when others are rolling their eyes at their methods. Yeah, I love that. And I love the rolling of your eyes because I got <laughs> a lot of that. Um, and I, what worked for me and I believe can work universally is 
always being mindful of why I'm there, mm-hmm. why I'm there and who am I there to serve. Mm-hmm. And so regardless of what industry it is, we're leaders and there are people that we're in position to serve. Mm. There are people that need our help and we need them, quite frankly. And so sometimes the idea that I'm the CEO and I've got it all together and I know all of the answers, the fact of the matter is we know a lot. But but for having really good staff that we're invested in and we're reminding them of their importance to us, mm-hmm. keep living because life will show you that you really need that help. You really need the benefit of investing in people and asking them questions and even saying to them, you know, uh, I didn't always know this. I remember the first time I started telling some people some of the mistakes I made. You want to talk about a really listening audience? They were like, really? You did that? And I think it's important for us to normalize ourselves, Mm. that people understand that, you know, before I got into this position, you know, I was in that position. And look, I remember when I kind of messed that situation up Mm -hmm. and somebody gave me grace and mercy. And I appreciated that. Mm. I learned from that. And I think it's important for us to be transparent and to share that, you know, yeah, I made some mistakes along the way, but I learned from them and I used it to ma- help make me better. And I continue to utilize it to help me make be- help me become better and to help others become better. Folks, Darlene Drew, uh, she's the CEO of Leadership Conditioning, Personal and Professional Development, former warden at the Atlanta uh, federal Atlanta prison, a uh, federal, I'll get this right in a second. The, 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 uh, federal prison based here in Atlanta. Um, so let, let's, let's talk about Darlene, the, the, this is maybe seems like a real basic question uh, given what we've been talking about, but just how you define leadership and, and you've talked about a lot of different tactics around leadership, but let's talk about just the big overarching definition that you put on leadership. Yeah. For me, leadership is all about people, period. It's about people helping other people grow and develop and being interested enough in those people to build those relationships, connecting with them, being able to identify and relate to people and just growing and building from there. It's about people. It's all about being people centered. I can't say that enough about Mm. building relationships with people and continuing to work with them and move from one step to another in a growing process. Mm -hmm. So you uh, are now, you've got your own uh, consulting speaking uh, practice. Uh, talk about the uh, companies, the organizations that you work with and the ones that are best, the best fit for you. Thank you. So I've worked and continue to work with a number of different organizations uh, in the government. You know, probably doesn't surprise anyone. I spent 32 and a half years working mm-hmm. in government. So I've worked with police departments. I've worked with fire departments. You know, these departments that are committed to public safety. That's just a natural for me because that's where I grew up. But I've also worked in the corporate area with Eaton and Cooper Lighting. They've changed names, um, but the same type of organizations. I've worked with electric companies, um, 
I've worked with small business men and women, entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. And so the commonality of all of that is what I said leadership is. It's about people, people helping people to win, to grow. And that's what I do, you know, with leaders who are committed to the various things that leaders are committed to relative to their mission for the organizations that they serve. Oftentimes leaders, you know, it's like Darlene, we all get blessed with 24 hours and I'm trying to figure it out. And I get that. I get that. And I say it all the time. And that's where I say, I can help you. You tell me what it is that you're trying to do for yourself and or your organization. And there's, I can provide that time and give that leader the relief that my people are getting what they want. And so am I. So, yeah, you talked about, I guess it's, it's really in a way leveraging that busy leader, right? Yes. That, that really doesn't, is not able because of bandwidth issues to, to really dig in as much as they want to with their people. Yeah, absolutely. It's, this you I don't know what you'll think of this example, but this is my true example because okay. I think it's um I think it's a, a something that we all deal with with parents. So parents love your children, you want all of these great things, but you you got a you got a job that you either have to go to and and trust that the things that you have instilled in them that it's it's working. But you certainly wish that there was more time. That's typically you know what happens in those cases. Well, there you are in this leadership role, and you desire all of these things for your your great company. But then you've got to fly here and you've got to fly there, and you want all of these things to take place. And so that's again when I say it doesn't make you a bad parent because you can't be forever at every single thing, it could mean that, you know, you desire it, but you've got to figure out what do I need to let go or where do I need to get help? Right. Same thing in leadership. Right. Right. And that, that actually creates, I could go down a real bunny trail here, but (laughs) that, um, that stress in terms of decision-making creates sometimes poor decisions about time allocation, right? And that's because of the stress and because of the overload. Yes. Yes. And you know, the thing with, with this time piece that we all um, oftentimes battle with, and the fact of the matter is the beauty of time is we all get 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Now the decision and the decisiveness, decisiveness comes in and is what are we going to do with it? You know, and what I've learned is, okay, what's the most important things that I can put at the top of the day, knowing that, you know, the rest of it, something may go in a whole nother direction. That's something that leaders are faced with on a regular basis. And then sometimes leaders, even with that, uh, are still saying, dang, it it just didn't work out that way. You Mm -hmm. know, what am I going to do? And that's why, again, it's a matter of sitting with someone saying, well, let's look at these different things. You know, you're probably familiar, John, with the Pareto principle about, you know, getting that top 20% 20% in so mm-hmm. that you can get it, get it done. Cause it's going to give you your 80% that you want at the end of the day. Right. And it's just a matter of being able to, I'm not saying that it's easy, but it's doable. And for those who find that it's quite the challenge to do, then you don't have to do it by yourself. You know, when I was growing up in the, in the federal prison system, I had great people who helped me and I'm committed. I'm so grateful for that help. I'm like, leaders, I'm here for you because I know what that walk is like. And if you don't know it after working 32 years in a prison, um, 
Shame on me. <laughs> <laughs> you you had plenty of opportunity to learn along the way, yes, right? Absolutely. Right? Um wow. Uh Darlene Drew, Leadership Conditioning, Personal and Professional Development is the name of her company. Um, Darlene, I could keep going and talk to you all day long, but uh, we got to let you get back to uh, the great work you're doing for folks out there. So let's give directions for those that would like to be in touch, would like to learn more about you and your work. How can they do? How can they get in touch? Okay. you They can reach me at 256 283 nine two zero five and that way we can have a direct one-on-one conversation it's two five six two eight three nine two zero five uh and if it's someone who would rather just uh get a hold of me by way of the website then they would find me at www.johnmaxwellgroup.com slash darlene drew so that's another way to reach out to me and if they wanted to send me an email they could find me at darlene at leadershipconditioning.com. Terrific. Darlene Drew, Leadership Conditioning, Personal and Professional Development. Wow, this has been uh, quite a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it, John. Yeah, thank you. Hey, uh, folks, just a quick thought for you. If you're having dysfunction in your business, if the back office is wearing you down uh, with you administrative tasks, bookkeeping, and other issues that are really keeping you from taking care of your people, like we talked about with Darlene, or um, uh, taking care of your clients. Well, I've got an answer that involves picking up the phone and calling the great folks at Office Angels, 770-442-9246. They're not a temp agency or a placement firm. They are a team of angels. Yes, they are angels. And I know this personally, I use their services. They've got the talent and experience necessary to handle the work that's essential to creating and maintaining a successful small business. They fly in, get the job done and fly out when it's finished. If you'd like to know more, give SES Gabito over there a call 770-442-9246. Tell her I sent you or go to officeangels.us. And we are grateful to you, our listener. This is show number 601, I think. Uh, we've reached shows, uh, our, the 600 uh, show mark, and we've done that because of the support of you, our listeners. You have been marvelous at subscribing to the show. And uh, if you don't happen to su- su- currently subscribe, we'd love it if you do that. Uh, North Fulton Business Radio is a search term to find the show on your favorite podcast app. And you have shared the show. And if you have found something here that makes you want to share the show with a colleague, I can't imagine that you haven't in, in this, in this uh, insight-rich show that we've had with Darlene. Um, uh, please do so and do that for any of our episodes. We're here to celebrate the great work of business leaders like Darlene that, have, uh, that do, do great work, and that work deserves to be found, celebrated, and a light shined upon it. And that's what we do here at Business Radio X as the voice of business. So thank you for helping us fulfill that mission. So for my guest, Darlene Drew, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on North Fulton Business Radio.